there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, top of the weekend to you. Welcome back to the show. Hi-Fi Radio, Jack Hartle, producer of the show, is in the house with us. Wolfgang Klein, moi aussi, your host for the next hour. We're going to talk money, and it's been quite the week in the world of finance. Donald Trump, of course, rattling his saber of tariffs. And to help us make sense of that, we got Michael Simpson in the studio. Uh, he's a senior vice president, executive portfolio manager with Century Investments, a very, very well-decorated Lipper Award recipient. Very important in the world of mutual funds to carry around that big chunk of glass. Uh, we're then going to talk to our media analyst, uh, Ari Vindar, a very, very wise man when it comes to space of media. Media is never changing, and or ever-changing, I should say. And Ari Vindar, of course, helps us make sense of it. And then we're going to take a trip across the pond to uh, Mr. Jukes, Robert Jukes, one of our strategists, one of our three strategists. He gives us a global perspective on what effect Trump has had across the pond. But without further ado, let's get over to Michael Simpson. I want to thank you, Michael, for coming on Hi-Fi Radio. I know it's tough to get you out to media. You don't tend to like to do this media thing. You can be honest with us. Uh, no, actually, I do uh, the occasional media, more on television, because someone said I had the perfect face for radio. But uh, I do media, not a lot of radio, more more on the TV side. Yeah, well, it's, it's really, really a pleasure to have you in the studio. Uh, Jack and I had the real privilege actually of sitting down in your office on a, on a one-on-one fire chat, and then a week later, uh, your wholesaler uh, brought Sandy McIntyre into our office. I said, why is Sandy coming to see the Wolfman? I don't get it. Maybe he's here to see Jack, but it didn't make sense. It's like Warren Buffett coming into our office. Almost. It really was. Very Sandy, impressive. Very it, impressive, it, man. One, Wonderful presentation by uh, Sandy. A very calming, you know, Warren Buffett, Lou, Lou. Rupiter very experienced type. for sure. Yeah, it's good to see yeah, a living legend in your own in your own office. Yeah, no, I mean that's one of the benefits that Jack and I have. You know, working down on Bay Street, and you know, when we work with mutual funds, we truly work with you, and we get an understanding of what you do, what you hold, what you're thinking. And I really want to help uh, enlighten the audience a little bit as to what you're thinking right now, Michael. We've had quite the week. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, saber rattling uh, large time Thursday by Donald Trump, uh, talking tough on steel and aluminum, and uh, it really has the world a little shaken. Uh, so. How how were you positioned uh, for Trump tariffs? Yeah, sure. So um, we never knew when exactly w- when they were going to come because what we've learned from the Trump administration uh, over his brief time in office, because there was a bark and there was a bite, and usually <laughs> the, the bark was worse than the bite. <laughs> so we're, we're getting all sorts of statist- uh, stats out. Um, there's more people in industries that use steel, about 6.5 million from the Wall Street Journal, and there's about... Em- Employed in the U.S. steel industry, about 150,000 workers. So, uh, you know, Wilbur Ross was on, uh, uh, you know, CNBC talking about the actual minor costs in pennies of what it cost for the aluminum and steel in, in you know, either a Campbell's soup can or a, a, a can of beer. However, what you have to factor in is that that's not the only cost in making these products. And margins on some of these products aren't large to begin with. So, um, going down the tariff road uh, isn't good in, in my view. It'll be interesting to see how the world reacts and maybe the call it the more of the rational people in the White House who are advising the president can can win the day so we can have you know maybe a statement made and maybe this can be the end of uh, you know punitive tariffs in our view. You know, and speaking with Tony Dwyer, our, our chief strategist at Canaccord Genuity, um, and, and Jack said the same thing to me this morning. Uh, he said the market really was just looking for an excuse to retest the lows that we experienced about three weeks ago. Uh, you know, markets don't 
correct aggressively and then go straight back up into new highs. They tend to retest uh, and was, those lows. And I would say that's very healthy too. If they do retest those lows and they hold them, I think that you know sets the next leg up for the market to hopefully go higher. Right. So, so the market was looking for an excuse. So the question is, do you think this was simply an excuse for the market to go down? Or do you think there's more to it that we should hence be more concerned with and hence defensive in our portfolio structure? I think as you, you you saw the correction in January, valuations have come down. We're always attracted to companies uh, such as a CVS, which we own in our portfolios, which have a lower multiple trading at uh, 11 and a half times earnings. So, um, technically, that's U.S. drugstore chain. Yeah, U.S. drug sh- drugstore chain, the equivalent of, uh, Shopper's, of, of drug Shopper's Drug Mart. So we're looking for those valuations, but the market did correct in January. Uh, it, it shook some people out. Uh, there was a lot of complacency uh, from the years 2016 and 17. So we actually like corrections because that's when we start buying more aggressively. So uh, it, it's good. And as Jack mentioned, it's healthy. And it's what happens in normal markets. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of weak hands really got shooken out in that, especially that low volatility trade that you mentioned there, Mike. Um, and when you have you know cash available, uh, you can take advantage of that as an active portfolio manager. Uh, if, absolutely. If and, that, ju- and sorry, if you're just tuning yeah, into sure. us, if you're just tuning into us, we got Michael Simpson uh, in the house. He's from Century Investments. Uh, just uh, doing a little bit of review on the week that was. Um, sorry. So uh, in terms of getting shaken out, you obviously weren't shaken out. You're, I guess, what we would call a provider of liquidity uh, to the marketplace. So were you doing some buying this week? Yeah, I was doing buying on a number of names that are are in the portfolio. And uh, like I said earlier, I I like these opportunities. I've got a shopping list. And when the market gets irrational or overdone, I, I start to buy. Yeah, good for you. Well, look, we're going to pay some bills around here, Michael. Uh, you own some media stocks. And you like when they Absolutely, run. You like yes. when they run commercials because yes. that helps you know pay the dividend. Yes. Uh, so we're going to do just that here on Hi-Fi Radio. And coming right back will be Michael Simpson, Senior Vice President, Executive Portfolio Manager of Century Investments, the guest on Hi-Fi Radio. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. So I was looking for a song for you there, Michael, because we had, do we have ourselves a trade war? Of course, that song was uh, produced by the band called War. Yes. Uh, so do we have ourselves a real global trade war unfolding here? Or next week, uh, will, will Trump sign less of a tariff bill? I, I think it's early days to find out exactly how this is, is going to evolve. I think when you look at some of the statistics, when you look at the um, the pre, uh, call it pre-negotiations before the NAFTA rounds got undertaken, 35 U.S. states have Canada as their largest export market. You have hmm. congressional election, midterm elections coming up. Trade is very important. Traditional Republicans believe in, in free trade. Uh, you know, United States wants export markets. They don't want retaliation from Japan or the European Union or China. Uh, U.S. agriculture, a lot of states supported Trump, but their soybeans, their corn goes around the world. So I think cooler heads will prevail, and I think you'll get some... Uh, you know, you, you, you'll get some different thoughts coming out next week, and you'll have some different viewpoints uh, being espoused. 
It was incredible because the, the, the new head of the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, Mr. Powell, uh, he, he's completely for open trade. And he actually was, went on record a few days ago saying that any kind of tariffs would impede global business activity. It's not net positive on anyone. Uh, so I find that very, very surprising. But the other thing uh, point that Jack, Jack made to me earlier was Boeing. One in four Boeing airplanes ends up in China. And do you think the Chinese are just going to uh, stand still while Trump... Uh, you know, uh, put, puts up tariffs uh, to, to this magnitude. Uh, and further, the ripple effects to the companies like Magna or other Canadian domicile businesses that, that do a lot of business with America. Uh, what's your impact, do you believe, yeah. on those names? The ties are so complex and the ties are so intertwined. Uh, going to your Boeing comment, uh, a global company, uh, you know, and a great oligopoly with Embraer and, and Airbus. So Boeing is very much concerned about this. China Asia is a growing market. Um, the demand for planes primarily is coming from the Asian market. So Boeing's not going to sit still. And, and I think China, the reaction uh, to earlier talk has been measured, but I, I don't expect China to be patient forever. So uh, I, I do expect some cooler heads or some, you know, it might even be a 180 next week from the Trump administration to come out on trade, given the importance to trade, uh, given that Trump has maybe made a point to his to his base, and uh, <laughs> we've got to go on because if you're going to raise the price from everything from beans to beer to cars, that's going to impact the the men and women who are at wear red baseball caps. Michael Simpson's in the studio. Michael Simpson's with Century Investments. He's a senior vice president, executive portfolio manager, and a very, very well-decorated man. A seven-time winner of the Brendan Wood International Canadian Top Gun Investment Mind Award. That's that's a mouthful, but boy, to win that wow. seven times is really good. Congratulations. Uh, Jack had Thank a couple you. of tough ones for you. Sure. Yeah, just as an active manager, you're, you, I would, I guess, consider you a value manager. Would you uh, categorize yourself yeah. that way? Yeah, an active value manager, not deep value manager, because you're always worried about the value traps, but I'm comfortable with value income manager. Sure. That's what I was going to say. So I, we certainly like to buy things for less than they're worth and as active managers, that's what we try and do. How do you avoid uh, those value traps? Because they, they tend to be just as dangerous as some of those high multiple, high expectation stocks. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So what you do is you have to you know have a laser focus on the balance sheet. Uh, you can understand certain industries are, are mature. Uh, they may not grow. Um, their revenue their top line may only grow zero to three percent, but mm-hmm. if that top line, you know, turns negative, if if margins uh, keep on uh, detracting, if if debt starts to increase, those are some of the early signals. So we we watch for that, and you know, we're not always right, but when we uh, recognize we're in a value trap, we'll, we'll you know do the hard thing and sell, but it's it's the right thing. Sure, cutting your the, losses exactly. And you really focus on free cash flow, free cash flow growth. What kind of yields are you looking for with free cash flow on your companies? Yeah, it, it, it depends what time we're in the cycle, um, but but anywhere from anywhere from four to seven percent. It also depends on on how big the capex cycle is, but anywhere from four four to seven percent. Okay, and a name that uh, Wolfgang and I recently added actually was uh, Live Nation. Yes. So the concerts, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone's looking for the experience, especially those millennials. I was wondering, do you have an opinion on that stock? <laughs> yeah, Live Nation is a, a security that we hold in our funds, and my colleague Aubrey Hearn also owns. Um, they got quite a, a good business model. Uh, it, it seems you know, Google and others, Amazon have tried to penetrate it, but without any success. So. Um, Actually, the, the performers, the real performers, the superstars, they make most of the money not from selling on Apple iTunes stores, but from the live performance. So uh, we continue to own um, Live Nation. It's done very well for us. And 
we really like their business model and management of Live Nation. So, so we bought the stock, Michael. I've been watching the stock for years, and I yeah. know the business. I probably know too much about okay. the business because back <laughs> in the day, the concept promoting business was loaded with slime balls. It was yeah. it was a bad industry. Yeah. Uh, people weren't getting paid. Artists weren't getting paid. It, 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 a, lot, a lot of horror stories mm-hmm. out there. So I, I, I'm, I'm jaded. Um, Live Nation has been trending in the right direction, but from what I see, it hasn't really made any money. Revenue looks good, but net earnings not there. I think until recently. Maybe I'm not seeing the math correctly. But obviously, Jack and I bought the stock a couple of days ago and got walloped. Two days ago, down 5% each day. Apparently, there's uh, a lawsuit uh, towards management. Uh, can, can you speak towards that? Yeah, I mean, uh, to the specifics, um, I, I, I can't speak to because, uh, you know, some of it's, um, you know, some of it's not been fully released. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I mean, this company is profitable, generates a lot of cash flow, um, makes money for the artists, takes away all the headaches of for the artists of organizing their their tours and making sure the artists get paid. To your point of, of some earlier fly-by-night promoters who uh, maybe wouldn't have the best interests of the artists. Um, and Live Nation is really the box. There's some talks of, of Madison Square Garden Corporation doing this, but uh, no one does it as well uh, as you know Live Nation. The U.S. unfortunately is a very litigious society, so uh, can't really speak to all the details until they sure. come out with this lawsuit. But no, we we continue to hold and like Live Nation, which we own our portfolios and have been adding to it recently. <laughs> Michael Simpson, uh, great great pleasure having you on the show. Keep keep up the good work at Century Investments. You now own actually buy CI funds, so you've been okay. gobbled up. And uh, well, the world gets smaller, but you continue to uh, succeed, and it's a real pleasure to be working with you. Thank uh, you, Wolf. Coming up next, we're going to be speaking with our media analyst Arivinda. Very, very sharp individual. You want to pay attention to this, certainly if you're into entertainment. Right after this on Hi-Fi Radio. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There you go, Jack. Go Gadget Go. I never thought I'd be playing... Uh, <laughs> what? What, what, is that Nickelodeon, <laughs> Courtney? Is that what that was? Yeah, Nickelodeon, eh? Go Gadget Go. So uh, some DHX content for you folks. And the reason for that, we got Ari Vinda, our uh, media and telecom analyst. Uh, covers a great uh, array of stocks, including Chorus Entertainment, the owner. I guess, Jack, they own us. They own Hi-Fi Radio, don't they? Chorus Entertainment. Uh, we cover Cineplex, DHX Media, where that Go Go Gadget... Uh, soundtrack oh, arm came from. <laughs> <laughs> what else you cover? You, you cover, of course, the uh, Bell Canada, Rogers, uh, IMAX, uh, Yellow Pages. They still exist. Yellow Pages. They've been they tra- they've been transformed. Yeah. So it's a real pleasure to have you on the show, uh, Ari Vinda. Um, a really colorful space you cover. And again, I used to work in broadcast, and it, it's very dear to my heart. And I still work in broadcast. Or I play in broadcast now. Um, but uh, it's just a wonderful industry. And you know, radio survives. Uh, it, it, you know, radio survived the v, uh, the, the the VCR. It survived the 8-track. It survived the cassette deck and the CD player. And I think it's going to continue to survive. I know it's challenged getting youth tuning into it. Um, uh, you know, teens and 18 to 34-year-olds, but certainly the 35-plus, they, they love radio. Uh, Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Wolf. So yeah. uh, with respect to radio, I mean, it's been the real outlier in the space. I mean, you know, all the way back from the 50s when the proliferation of television was really... 
um, sort of uh, on on you know on on full blast. Oh, it's uh, huge! It's, 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 it's actually yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it it held on. I mean, if you look, even as recently in the last couple of years, I've looked at the ratings, and both in the U.S. and in Canada, the audience has held up. And Do you have time spent listening to radio? Absolutely. Yeah. And there was a time, perhaps in the uh, maybe ten years ago, where there was a bit of a decline. But importantly, advertising. Never really, uh, never really saw any sh- periods of sharp decline. Certainly not in Canada, U.S. For some certain structural reasons, it declined for a short space of time, but it's more or less holding. It's certainly not growing, but it's certainly holding. And the part of it is a big reason for that is it's still the way to get sort of your local, yeah. your, the local businesses, uh, you know, uh, getting the kind of necessary well, but, exposure. But, but, that they but want. also residents want local media, and, and that's been proven Absolutely. time and time again. They, you know, sure, they got big global minds and the world has become flat, but they still like local content. Uh, and, and that's where Radio Fan can, continues to deliver. So, look, I advertise on radio. I got this radio show. And Jack and I have, have actually garnered some of our largest clients uh, through radio. I, I'm, I'm shocked as to how engaged you are. I do a ton of television uh, appearances, but I get a better response uh, and, and, and more engagement. Especially talk. Because people radio, actually yeah. listen to talk radio as opposed to you know uh, yeah, no, it's the, music, right? What we used to say because when I was in broadcast, we say people bathe in radio. It's on the, it's it's background, right? It fills it fills a void. They bathe in it. But when it comes to talk radio, it becomes foreground. They actually get very very engaged in it. Uh, and I know that firsthand. But let's go down the list. You cover Cineplex, and the stock uh, has has had a tough go. Um, again, Jack talks about people wanting the experience. Hence, we own Live Nation. Um, the, you know, I guess you get an experience going to the movies. But the, the stock's had a tough challenge. So. So, so we're, we're it's, a, say it's a relatively inexpensive experience too for a family to go to. It's gone up a lot in the last ten years. It's gone up a lot in the last ten years. But compared to going on a vacation or doing something else with your family, going down to Wonderland, it's relatively cheap still. Right. Absolutely. It's yeah. one of the reasons why during times of uh, economic distress, you find that the box office is actually doing well. So if you go back, pull up chart of thirty years, you'll find that in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and you go back further, you know, during sort of those shorter recessionary periods in two thousand to two thousand two in the early nineties. Box office actually did well, so it's because of that comparison that uh, that Jack was talking about. Uh, but uh, with respect to Cineplex, I think obviously last year was uh, was you know there was uh, a, a number of factors that kind of stacked up that affected the stock. First of all, the summer box office disappointed significantly. I mean, that made headlines for months, so you, you're certainly aware of that. Yeah. So, so the point of you know, so the box office always highly dependent on Hollywood. It is. It is. And as as Ellis Jacob, the CEO of Cineplex, always says, you know, we don't, you know, we don't sort of set the menu. We just set the table. So it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, it really depends on the Hollywood box office. However, as you you know, you can understand, there is a lot more sensitivity around box office weakness today than there was ten or fifteen years ago. Because people look at the world and go, look, there's Netflix. There's so many other options to view this content. Do we need to go to uh, the, the the cinema? So that. You know that that risk, that concern, makes has made the stock a lot more sensitive to up and down movements in the box office mm-hmm. in, in in recent times. And then on top of that, you've had uh, issues like uh, you know developments like premium VOD, which hasn't happened yet. But there's sorry, the, developments like what uh, premium VOD. So this is as you know the box office. You get the uh, the box office window, the exclusive theatrical window for a movie is approximately ninety days. Mm-hmm. So you release a movie. So Black Panther came out. Mid-Feb, you're not going to see that on DVD or in, on VOD until mid-May. Mm-hmm. You collapse that window, the attractiveness of the uh, of the box office certainly weakens. You know, mm-hmm. So if you can see the movie in two weeks, you, you're not going to wait. Right? You wait, exactly. So premium VOD is something that could potentially cause the collapse of that, but at a huge premium. So instead of paying $12, $13, you pay 40 so, you know, the studios were debating that at this point with Disney buying Fox and Disney's and Bob Iger's being against the idea of premium VOD. 
that idea, that uh, that that possibility, is started to recede again, which is positive for the uh, the exhibitors. And you know there was the movie pass, the uh, you know the development in the U.S. So there've been a number of things that affected the industry in the 17 that really caused it down to not just for Cineplex, for all the comps in the United States, including Regal, AMC. Cinemark, Comic, the whole lot. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Ari Vinder, a media analyst, tech analyst uh, uh, with Category Genuity. Uh, we're going to pay some bills around here, my good friend, but hang around. We're going to ask you some more questions right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There's a little Black Panther theme song for you on Hi-Fi Radio. Hi-Fi, of course, more about finance than fidelity, but we like to squeeze a little fidelity in every now and then, especially when we have Ari Vindar, media and telecom analyst on. So you also cover the uh, t- the telecom companies. Uh, you know, Bell Canada was once a widow and orphan stock. Uh, obviously, so much has changed with that company. It's just gobbled up uh, content. It gobbled up additional pipeline uh, and began making a lot of money during cord cutting in the wireless business and continues to well, rack up my uh, monthly costs. I got my three kids now on the plan. I got a family plan, and I'm stuck and screwed, <laughs> my good friend, completely. Oh, my God, the gigs that we go through, and we get the little the text notices that we're about to go over a limit. You got to panic, put put the thing on, tell all the kids to shut their phones down. What a c- catastrophe. Do you have kids? Do you have the same problem I have? No, I, I do not have kids. But, uh, so you don't I have mean, the problem. Jack, Jack doesn't have a problem yet. He has three young kids. And, well, uh, they're, they're, they're on they're, Netflix. They're streaming quite a bit right now. They're streaming, so, yeah. and they're exactly. money off yeah, you, yeah, but, but you don't sure. got a cell phone in their plans yet. Oh, you wait till that comes, my friend. So it's, uh, no, it's, it's remarkable. So let's talk about telecom stocks. Um, uh, Jack and I own uh, AT&T and Verizon. Uh, we own them because we think they're cheaper than the Canadian counterparts. Uh, they pay big fat dividends, but in a world of rising interest rates, uh, bond proxy stocks, those that pay big dividends, tend not to do so well. And that's exactly what Jack and I are noticing in our barbell portfolio. We got tech stocks and bank stocks on the one side working very, very well, except for the last week, of course. And then we got some high dividend payers on the other side, not working so well. So um, well, what's your take on terms of Bell Canada? Is it still a widow and orphan stock? Buy it for the long run or you gotta be careful how you manage something like that? It's, you do have to be careful, but it's certainly the most sensitive to interest rates. It's always considered a bond proxy. So yeah. it's gonna move very much lock and step with interest rates. Having said that, it is one of the better, if not the best, managed, operated uh, uh, telecom company in the country, and perhaps by, by a fair distance. I mean, its wireless mm. numbers has been absolutely outstanding. I mean, we talk about wireline, we talk about you know problems in the video space, but wireless has absolutely been on fire in Canada. I mean, the last two yeah. years, subscriber growth nationally has gone from a very modest 1.7, 1.8% towards 5. I mean, we're at 4, 4.5 at this point and potentially moving up. At the same time, interestingly, pricing has also ticked up. Yeah. And uh, so if profitability for the wireless side of the business yeah, has right. actually been quite strong. Right. And Bell's performances, I mean, their delivery and their execution in wireless have, has been absolutely outstanding. The problem for Bell is that they don't have the same business mix that Telus and Rogers have. Telus and Rogers are more wireless right. businesses than Wireline. And Wireline is difficult. Wireline is, is TV, phone, and internet. And, you know, two of those are not growing, as you can understand. So it really down to your ability to win more and more of the internet subs, uh, which are higher margin and growing. 
and make sure that that picks up the slack for the uh, the other two products. So it's that business mix which they've inherited that is uh, that has been sort of the problem for them. Having said that, they've done a great job of trying to run as efficiently and, and cost effectively as possible, and that's why they're buying up as many as they can. You know, they bought Manitoba Tel and uh, they bought Astral, and uh, you know they've right. used the synergies to make sure that that dividend growth is stable and predictable. You know, so you get a dividend increase every year. At five percent, they they've really generated those profits sort of on the back of Canadians. So they've they've, uh, they've <laughs> no, they, they've got this wireless oligopoly. You so said that it's growing exponentially. Uh, they're increasing price, and that's because there's no competition out there. You go down to the states and you try and get a plan. You look at what they offer. It's twice the amount of information for half the price. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly the U.S. is a almost an extreme case with uh, T-Mobile. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been incredibly aggressive. You know, they are, are really gone after AT and T and Verizon and even Sprint. You know, it's interesting. Timo, being the challenger brand, wins almost ninety percent of the net subscriber additions in the United States. I mean, that's that's amazing uh, for a, for a challenger brand. So there is competition emerging now, as you know, with Freedom. Right. Uh, they are strong, getting stronger in the GTA. They are becoming a presence in the West. Obviously, in Quebec, you do have a strong fourth play in Videotron. So certainly better than it was five years ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Canadian business is very profitable for the incumbents, no question about for it. For sure. We have, we're speaking with Ari Vinda. He's a Canaccord's uh, media telecom entertainment analyst uh, covering broadcasting, film entertainment, media, media publishing, printing, and telecom stocks. Let's talk about publishing uh, because the tablet, uh, uh, George Jackson, Jack, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, he, he produced actually Radio Jingles. Um, he said to us, he said, Wolf, the Apple, he was a big Apple fan because of course he was a producer and everything was Apple in his in his studio he said the the tablet 10 years ago he said the tablet is going to save um, the print industry uh, fast forward 10 years here we are uh, yellow pages uh, a restructured business post media a restructured business and Thomson Reuters a piece of it getting bought out by Blackstone by Blackstone by a private equity firm so uh, where are we in the land of publishing well, publishing in Canada is in very difficult uh, circumstances right now. It's not like the New York Times, for example, in the United States, right. where the news starts there. Everybody goes there. So the way to huh. for this business model to be restructured is to is not advertising, it's paywall. And if your brand and your content does not have the power to attract a, 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 in magnitude... A, a, ba- a substantial base of subscribers, your business model is not going to work. So it could work for you know the Times of London, it could work for the New York Times, but for some of the um, uh, publishers in in uh, in Canada, a lot harder. And that's why we've seen obviously Torstar, Post Media, and uh, even some of the media assets in Transcontinental, and uh, obviously even Yellow Pages uh, facing a fair bit of uh, pressure. And all those stocks have obviously underperformed substantially. Who's like, who, who suffers with all this? I'm going to say, obviously, the, the journalists and the uh, artistic community, the writers suffer. Uh, do you not think the Canadian mind suffers? Because uh, you're going to get less creativity, uh, le- less, less unique. So it's actually Less a, diversity, it, less diversity of opinion. It's a bit of know, a, sad, less, a sad state. It is. But, you know, this is what digital technology and this is what the internet does, right? It's, I say it, people it, are still consuming media, it's just that they're getting it from different sources. So, exactly. Uh, those people that you mentioned, they're certainly getting hurt, but they have to obviously adapt with the times and get their whatever they're publishing out in the electronic media. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. through the uh, whether it's an iPhone, yeah. iPad, whatever the case. Yeah. The, the big picture here, what what the new t- the new uh, the, the latest technological changes have done is it's brought down the walled garden around Canada. Previously, 
uh, you know, be it in broadcasting, be it in publishing, there were regulatory um, walls that can be put up around the country to protect the local businesses. With the internet, everything changes. For example, if yeah. you think about publishing advertising revenues, yeah. today more than 50% is Apple and Google. Yeah. Wasn't the case 10 years ago. So No, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Look, Arvinda, media is very dear to my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm making a broadcaster out of Jack, and uh, well, he's going to make a producer out of me one day. Uh, so, look, we want to bring you back on air. I really do, because I, I just love this topic, and, and you just have a really, really good uh, second derivative view on the topic. So I really, really appreciate all of your time today on Hi-Fi Radio. Coming up next, we are going to fly to London to talk to Robert Jukes, our strategist, and he's going to help us make sense of the saber-rattling of Donald Trump. And, well, Jack wants an update on Brexit, because there may be a Another vote on that, and Jack just says, Jack, up in a fit. Uh, right after this, my good friends. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, war has been declared, hasn't it? Uh, Robert Jukes in London. War with Donald Trump. Tariffs, tariffs, tariffs. Trade war is bringing jobs back to America, making America great again. Oh, the rhetoric. It is just flowing around the world, isn't it? So what do the folks in London have to say about Donald Trump's tariffs? Well, I think right now they're, they're more worried about the beast from the east, which is giving us Toronto-type uh, weather. We're, uh, we're mired in snow. And- sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry the the beast from the east? Yeah, the beast from the east. It's the cold snap. It's uh, so. See, so yeah, in in old in old uh, in in times gone, Wolfgang, when you and I were little boys, in it, it in, in days gone past, yes, yeah, the plain simple cold snap. Oh yeah, so, now it's the beast from the east. Yeah, it's no, terrifying. Oh uh, yeah, I, I used to I used to walk to school both ways uphill, eight kilometers, my friend. Okay, but Robert Jukes is on the line with us. He's in London. He's one of Canaccord's global strategists. I figured we'd get him on the phone. On Hi-Fi Radio, the show about money, your money, and trying to make some money. But uh, Donald Trump wants to put up a bunch of barriers. He's after steel. He wants to protect aluminum. Yet steel and aluminum combined from the stats that Jack gave me, and everything Jack gives me is correct, 450,000 Americans work in that industry. Population base of working Americans, 154 million people. So is Trump barking up the wrong tree? Uh, I think he's just playing to the popular vote. I, mean, I think um, what's been interesting from my point of view is, is seeing this from outside of uh, North America mm-hmm. is that uh, it's been very much seen as saber-rattling towards China. But, of course, the number one exporter of these metals is, is not China. It's Canada. Hello. And, um, and um, can you hear me? Yeah, you know, that was a figure of speech. Hello. Yes, it is. We, we, we are the biggest exported to America. Fifteen uh, percent of their steel imports comes from us, but eighty uh, percent of our exports goes to the at states. Least, at least. Two thirds of our trades with America. And I even heard uh, Mr. Cudlow on Cudlow and Kramer this morning on CNBC say you know, they love Canadians. They, you know, we are their best pals. So uh, even the folks on CNBC were scratching their head as to what Trump was all about. And it, it is totally, totally perplexing. But as I say, I think he's just play, playing to the, the to his populism vote. But uh, as you said, the reality is actually in the round, just ignoring metals for the time being, in the round, he actually has a trade surplus with Canada. So um, Yeah, we have the deficit. It, exactly. Excluding energy, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it, is, it is utterly, utterly bizarre. But what, what caught my eye 
over the last couple of days is the, uh, and again, sort of seeing this from outside of North America, it's mm. very much China's been in, in focus. But actually the currencies that have, um, uh, that have moved uh, have not necessarily been the, the, the remember. It's been the Canadian dollar and the peso. And, uh, and, and that really brings, ah. I think, home back to where we started, which you know, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the nearest neighbor problem. So, so in other words, this isn't an issue with China. We think it's China, but in fact, you think he's more concerned with Mexico and, of course, Canada now, and uh, hence the, the 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 reaction and reflection in the currencies. Is that what you're saying? I think that's definitely the reaction in the currency, and, and it's because currencies uh, Canada is more affected by this than China. But um, I think it's interesting that the the dollar traded on um, on a trade-weighted basis, so against all, an average of all of the U.S. trading partners, has depreciated. Yeah, so because, no, sorry, I'm going to interject here, because Jack pointed that out to me today. The Canadian dollar was down, and the trade-weighted U.S. dollar was down as well, and that's not normal. Normally, one goes up, the other goes down. But that, so, I would correct. say that just shows you how weak the Canadian dollar is in this whole uh, trade war situation with the U.S., because our dollar is weak when the U.S. dollar is, is weak, weak against correct. the basket. that's right. Yeah, so, so what do you make yeah, of that, Robert? We're price takers, effectively. Can I, can, can Canada is a price taker in this state. We're price taker. Well, we certainly are well, price we taker commodities, and commodities are price takers, right? Yeah, and our oil, we're getting, yeah. Robert, we're getting oil. We receive $30 a barrel less than the going rate for oil. That, that's how we are price takers, my good friend. You should, I wish the British would buy some oil from us. Well, hey, I really would. To us, we, I'm sure we'd love to. Yeah, we sell it to them at a discount. You just can't get it out. That's that's the problem. That that is the problem. And you know, some we could probably get you some natural gas because you you are basically uh, well. This, I guess you're price takers as well when it comes to your nat gas, right? Uh, you, we are now. Yes, we don't get that from the North Sea. In fact, late last night, um, the deficit was removed. The UK went into so four days of cold weather, and uh, we, we have an official deficit on uh, as of. Uh, I think about 11 o'clock, until 11 o'clock last night um, in the UK. So we were very low on stocks of, uh, of natural so, gas. So you call, up, Putin, you call, you call up your friend Putin and he sends you some more natural gas. That's probably pretty easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? we, you deal with Putin, we deal with Trump. Nothing, it's, it's the same problem, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Bad, absolutely. So, in terms of in terms, of, let's, let's let's take this home now to money because this is Hi Fi Radio, a show about high finance. And being that you're in London, well, who better to call for Hi Fi Radio? Uh, where does this go from here, my good friend? Are we uh, bull market continue? Are we in a bit of a uh, corrective zone that we're going to come out of, or does the big bear market begin here? And you may want to uh, lighten the load and raise some cash. No, I think markets are looking for a reason to sell off. I mean, sentiment's pretty high uh, across the board at the moment, and um, uh, it's, it's just looking for, for some excuse to shake out some of that uh, over-optimism. But I think anything more than that, I'm, I'm not a party to it. I think this, this bull market continues uh, through into this year. I think the volatility stays with us, for sure. Um, but I think one of the, you know, just bringing this back to the to the U.S. dollar, in, in the idea, if, if, if we're right in, in thinking that U.S. earnings growth continues, uh, U.S. growth continues, um, I, I think uh, from the standings we've had from Powell, it's been interesting that uh, even if you know, he does a little bit more than he, he, he suggested in his testimony, it's not going to be enough over the next year to tighten monetary conditions in the U.S. back towards neutral. So in, in other words, monetary policy in the U.S. will remain stimulative right. uh, for, for the foreseeable. So I think the, the only axis of adjustment which is left, and you've got to think that at the same time these tax cuts are, are putting fiscal policy on the growth footing as well, the only, the only 
uh, variable that's left to, 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 to break, to put the brakes on, on accelerating U.S. growth is, um, is the currency. And that brings us back to the U.S. dollar. I think the U.S. dollar needs to appreciate from here. And in particular, it needs to appreciate against the Canadian dollar, because if you are going to have to deal with a world post NAFTA, NAFTA 2 or some, anything more onerous, that needs to come through in terms of a, a currency adjustment in order to make, uh, or, or in order that Canada continues to be competitive against the U.S. Isn't that interesting? Well, look, we're going to talk about the crutch that Canada once had with the weak loony, uh, but we got to pay some bills, Robert. So Robert Jukes, global strategist with Canaccord Genuity, is on the line. He's going to continue to share with us some of his British wisdom right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, those are funny lyrics, the fascist regime, yeah, right. Uh, Robert Jukes in London, global strategist with Canaccord Genuity, is on the line with us. Uh, Jack, want to get a little update, if you don't mind, on Brexit. Uh, are you exiting? Is there going to be a revote? I don't think the world cares as much in 2018 about Brexit. That's probably a good thing. Uh, so just give us a quick update on Brexit. Well, time's running out. We've got just uh, over a year now to, to sort this out. And um, uh, the Europeans, the negotiators, they're in London. And um, they, they're, they're looking for a sit-down next week with our, uh, or early in the beginning of this week, with our Prime Minister. Uh, they published um, a paper suggesting um, a number of options for, for Brexit as they see it. And um, I think the sticking point is, nor- is, is Ireland. It's the, it's the northern southern Irish border and um, uh, whether whether that exists in in uh, in any form right. shape, uh, one yeah. or yeah. other, or um, or whether we remain in the customs union. Yeah, no, and, I, it's funny because I'm married into an Irish family. That's right. So they're hoping it doesn't go through. They want to reunite Ireland. Uh, isn't that wouldn't that be amazing? Eh? Well, in effect, there is a united Ireland in, in as far as is at the moment it is borderless, um, yeah. and the um, the idea of having a borderless Ireland, but having um, uh, the UK coming out of the Customs Europe uh, uh, Union, it, it, they just don't, they don't fit. Those two things just don't go together. Uh-huh. And even if, even if, as Boris Johnson suggesting, you know, our Foreign Secretary, that you have an electronic border, so um, in, in the same way to, here in London, if you move uh, into a congestion charging zone, um, there's, no, there's nothing to mark the road. There's no barrier that you go through. There's no toll booth, but you get charged just the same with number plate recognition. You could do the same sort of thing in principle, but that's still a border. And, um, yeah, the politics get very complicated very quickly. I think where we're heading to is um, uh, a climb down of some manner from the Europeans or... Uh, a change of government here because um, the, 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 the direction of travel at the moment just isn't sustainable. And that would be another that'd be another pointer, I think, towards sterling weakness. Mm-hmm. And, and that'd be something that we're looking for from, from here. I mean, it was up to 142 against the US dollar just a few weeks ago. And if you think that it got down to about 120 um, uh, through the uh, through the Brexit um, 
uh, announcement. I think it's heading back down that way. Yeah. So, so currency yeah. aside, I say currency aside there, Robert, uh, you with boots on the ground, you're in the financial industry, you're in London. The loafers. Yeah, so exactly. What, <laughs> what, are you, what are you seeing? Are people talking about, you know, moving to you know, headquarters to Germany, France? What's the, what are, what are, what's, the sure. what's the strategy there? And uh, is, is London going to still be London, you know, three, four, five years from now? Of course it will, Jack. I think London is, is an immensely adaptable city. It's very dynamic. Um, and uh, I'd be surprised if it changed dramatically from here. So, so I think London will still be a preeminent financial centre in the world, though it will definitely lose some business through to Europe because Europe is requiring any bank that wants to do, or any institution that wants to do business in finance in Europe to have a presence in Europe. So, so, so banks are already moving teams uh, into um, into Frankfurt, into Paris, uh, into Holland, in, in Dublin. All of these other centres are attracting business, as is New York, actually, away from London. Now, whether that continues, you know, through to London's demise, I very much doubt. But um, yeah, we're on the wrong track for negotiating a successful Brexit at the moment. So yeah. something has to give. Right. Well, Robert, we got to give here, my good friend, because time's up. I want to thank you very kindly for joining us this morning. It's a real pleasure to speak with you. You just give us a different perspective on the world, and it's very, very helpful, my good friend. Friends and family, thank you for listening. Brothers and sisters, you as well. Hi-Fi Radio is always a pleasure to produce for you each and every Saturday right here on 640 in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.